So we're coming to the end of season two pretty soon. And definitely I've been dealing with a lot lately. And if you listen to the episode about why animals are better than humans, you're probably going to like this episode. It's kind of a callback for it, and as a matter of fact. In fact, the cat that you see the picture of from that episode has just died. And it's actually been something I've been very upset over. I've been crying the past few days. In fact, <laughs> it's going to be really hard for me at this point because I'll be in the kitchen or be in the bathroom and I'll remember the cat going into the bathroom and sitting on me on the toilet or being in the kitchen, doing my dishes or making dinner or something. And then there that cat was. So one of the things this cat liked to do, and especially lately, was I would go and wash dishes and the cat would use that as the opportunity to come sit next to me. Usually one is lovies. Try to give him lovies and the next thing I know he would be sticking his claws in my leg trying to claw it. And he had very sharp claws and I had to be like, okay, you got very sharp claws, buddy. Ow, that hurts. Use your paws, not your claws. In fact, yep, I've used the phrase paws, not claws to basically indicate, okay, it's okay, kitty cat, to use your paws on my legs. But don't stick your claws in there because I do have nerve endings in these legs. I had to explain that to him. I'm like, I've got nerve endings. It's not like sticking it in an inanimate object like a tree, you know? So I'd be over here getting these scratch marks and these claw marks in my legs. And it definitely happened when I went to use the bathroom, he'd sit on the toilet. Like if I was sitting on the toilet, he'd come sit in my lap. He was the first cat to ever do that. And I've had many cats over the years. I grew up with cats. I had two cats. Yeah, had a cat initially when I was married. Then we had another cat. Then, you know, my marriage fell apart and I never even got to see my cats until I was getting all my stuff out. And I remember telling them again, it was not their fault with the whole divorce situation because hey, they couldn't help it. I really hope that my ex's cat Stormy made his life a living hell afterwards. I hope he especially was like, you know, you made my, you made my human leave and I adore her. I loved her and you drove her away, you asshole. I mean, he was already kind of vicious to my ex anyway because he would poop on the comic book boxes and pooped in his shoes. He never did that stuff to me. Like, he never clawed me. He was always nice to me. And this kitty cat was always nice to me too, even though he liked to stick his claws in places. And I'm like, wow, you do not know the sharpness of your own claws, buddy. In fact, I remember at times he'd be sitting on my lap on the toilet. I'd have to pull my pants over my legs so he wouldn't have hard damage on my legs because, yeah, not fun when a cat hops on you on the toilet and he's got sharp claws. Doesn't help. And I said to him, you know, if I could find a man that had the kind of devotion to me that you have, I'd be in very good shape. Even though I would never make that man, I would never insist that man sit on me when I'm sitting on the toilet. But definitely, if you can find a guy who has that kind of devotion towards you, like this cat had towards me, it would be very nice. But now, unfortunately, he's gone. Basically, this cat went downhill really quick, because I noticed on Monday night he started bleeding from his eyes, his nose, and his mouth. And he just got worse and worse as the days went on. Like, literally, he just had blood falling off him, and it got all on his white fur. And in fact, by Friday morning, Thursday night, he had blood all over his paws. So it looked like, his paws looked like he'd like just come out of the womb or something, or he'd like just gotten out of an egg like a baby chicken. And I remember Thursday night I was doing my dishes and somehow he had the strength to come into the kitchen. And I actually knelt over and pet him and told him I loved him and he's a good boy. And he tried to, and he moved his paw up and I said, save your strength, buddy. Like I didn't expect him to climb on me or anything because by that point he couldn't even... He couldn't isolate too well. Like he at one point was sitting by himself. 
He didn't even go over to me when I was petting his sister, which is completely unusual for him because this cat was so, so jealous. Like, you pet the one cat and there he was. He's like, yeah, I want my loveys too, damn it. But I ended up, I ended up escorting the person who's not a shithead who lives here to go to the shelter to drop this cat off. And I'm like, at least this cat died in peace. I found out earlier today the cat actually did pass away from renal failure and also had an upper respiratory infection. So I don't know exactly if they knew what the blood was about, if that was part of that or if it was something else. I have no idea. One person I told about this said it sounded like it might be a tumor, but who knows? It just was very sudden and it's still very sad to me. So the other cat's still around and I'm like, what do I do about this? And needless to say, it has definitely hampered and interfered with my quiet enjoyment of my rental, you know, my rental and living here. So I definitely have had a lot of decisions to make and I already had a plan of moving anyway for various reasons, but it's like, yeah, this is kind of further entrenched it. And these cat killers definitely do not need to engage with me. They just do not need to deal with me. I stand by, if I said it before, I basically feel that, yeah, I think animal abusers are demons and I think they deserve to butt to die. So I hope they get what's coming to them. And it's like, I pretty much cannot be nice to animal abusers. I cannot enable that shit. I'm not going to do it. And I don't think I should have to. And I just have very unkind words and very unkind response to things like that. Because one thing, cats never bothered me. Cats probably give you, I would say cats are definitely more in the realm of unconditional love than any human ever would be. Although the funny thing is I was actually looking in my text messages, well, my text messages I can get to only by checking my computer. Happened to look at that on Thursday. I think I had something I was trying to follow up on. There was something I had to do. And I happened to see stuff from the Energizer Bunny. And I'm surprised the Energizer Bunny had contacted me because I felt like, oh, he's pissed off at me. He doesn't want to know what I'm doing, so he just doesn't care. I figured I probably told him some truth and it pissed him off and he just decided, you know what, F her, I don't want to deal with her anymore. So I'd seen he'd blocked me and I thought, okay, like everybody else on the planet who's blocked me on things, they're just like, I'm done with you. I don't want to deal with you. That's pretty much why I would block someone. Because that just means I don't give a shit what they're doing in life. I don't want to hear from them. They're dead to me. But he ended up telling me that apparently the reason he blocked me off platforms was because he didn't want to be my pen pal and he wanted to see me in person. He wanted that kind of relationship. So I'm really freaking confused now. I'm like, my God, I feel like I'm in the Wonder Years. And I don't know if you guys ever saw the classic Wonder Years. I know there's been the whole thing with Fred Savage right now. And supposedly, oh, he's had a career of sexually harassing people and making people uncomfortable. And frankly, I'm going to reserve judgment on that particular subject until anybody actually tells us what he did specifically. Till actual accusers come forward and they give us a real story of what he actually did rather than this hushed speculation, I'm going to reserve judgment till then, okay? And I feel like it's very shady why people, you know, why are people not doing that? Why are accusers not coming forward? What is the story? I have no idea. But anyhow, he was obviously famously known for playing Kevin Arnold in The Wonder Years. And for those of you who did not see The Wonder Years, it was basically a coming-of-age story about a family living in the suburbs. Kevin Arnold's the youngest kid, and it talks about his experiences starting middle school. Yeah, I think he was like starting junior high school, middle school. 
in the backdrop of the 1960s where the Vietnam War is happening and all this. And in fact, my mother was the same age as Kevin Arnold and the story where it takes place. So I found that very interesting. But anyhow, there's his love interest, or basically there's this girl on there named Winnie Cooper, who basically is his next door neighbor, and they kind of have, oh, they're best buddies when they're young kids, but his brother teases him about having a crush on her, and he's like, no, I don't. Ew, she's a girl, but in fact, secretly she does, or he does. And basically, you get the sense from Winnie Cooper of like, one minute she's interested, and the next minute she's just dating other dudes. Like in the first season of the show, she's like going out with this hot, older middle school guy when they've started. So he's in eighth grader, they're in seventh grade. And he's like, oh, he, she's going out with this popular guy. And oh, I'm lusting after her now. And why the heck won't she notice me? And he's basically too shy to tell her how he really feels. So that's a lot of the series and a lot of stuff that happens. And basically they seem very on again, off again, because at one point they are dating, but then she decides to go date some other guy when she moves to, she moves further out of the neighborhood and goes to a different school. Then he's dating other people and it's this whole big thing. But it's like still within the series. It's like they're each other's touchstones. Like they're each other's North Stars. Like even though they have these conflicts and they're fighting and so forth, it's like the other one's still around in the other person's life in some way. It's like there's a phantom, if you will. So... It's a little like that. I guess it's sort of, you could also compare it to the omnipresence of the Lord Almighty. But basically, I'm like, I'm starting to feel like I'm Kevin Arnold and dealing with this guy. It's like this guy is Winnie Cooper for some reason. It's like, okay, you're very wishy-washy and I don't know what the hell you're telling me and what the heck is going on. I have no idea. So it's very confusing to me. And then I'm thinking to myself just now, oh my God, it's like, People are not like the Lord Almighty, okay? They don't have unconditional love. And basically for those of you who did not grow up in a Christian household and you're not familiar with the tradition of God and all this and how it actually works, I'm gonna give you a little summary of that and my mother will probably listen and say, wow, two years of Christian school, she actually learned some of this stuff. But basically the concept of God and the Christian faith is that you could turn away from God. You could say, damn you, God, F you, I don't care. You can do all this stuff, but basically God's still there. God still loves you. God still notices. Like you could be away from God. You could go do all kinds of stuff that is against the Bible and it's not approved of. But if you're in the zero hour or you have a real crisis and you want to pray, God will still listen to your prayer. Like God will recognize you. God will know who you are. You can get... Basically, presumably, you could get respite no matter what you did, no matter how long it's been since you've talked to God, no matter what you've said of God, God will still be there. God doesn't care what you did. There's unconditional love. This is the concept. I mean, basically, it's sort of a New Testament concept, but it is kind of a concept that you learn about if you're dealing with the Christian faith and doing all this stuff. And believe me, a lot of the judgmental Christians who are doing a lot of other things, yeah, they're kind of confused on this whole concept and they're total bullshit. I actually read a story on AOL about this clinic and I believe Alabama where a lot of the people working there are actually people of faith. And they say that God instructs you to love people, don't judge them, you go where they are and you try to help them. And they basically say that working at this clinic and helping women who come in there is part of their moral duty. It's part of their godly work, if you will. So I'm like, generally, if you were going to find somebody who kind of had that omnipotent, the whole notion of God and the Lord Almighty, 
The closest you might find that in human form might be your parents. Probably, you know, perhaps like siblings you grew up with, maybe like your childhood buddies that you've known them for decades and you're like so entwined in each other's lives that they're kind of your touchstone. But in my case, that would never have happened with any exes. Like my ex-husband, nah, he definitely was not a touchstone to me. We definitely, we didn't even really have all that many conflicts come to think of it from when we met to when we got married. And it's like when that ended, it just really ended badly. So I'm like, okay, this guy that I knew for, <laughs> yeah, this guy I dated for seven months, he's a freaking touchstone, really? I'm like, I'm skeptical of that. And I'm kind of skeptical of, okay, if I go see this guy in person, it'll still rip my heart out if he's like going and dating some other chick. And I can't imagine some other chick's going to be like, oh yeah, that's okay. You're hanging out with this girl you dated for seven months and you had all this intense feeling towards. And there's all this history and stuff going on and you didn't really end a breakup with, I hate you, I hate you, drop dead. And it was circumstances, apparently... I think the reasons he chose and the reasons he told me were kind of asinine and it's kind of like, okay, that's stuff that could change. It's not stuff like you're a racist or you murdered someone or you don't want to have kids and I want to have kids. It wasn't stuff like that. So that wasn't really the reason and it's kind of weird there and I feel like, okay, it'll rip my heart out to see like he's all mushy-gushy and lovey-dovey with some other chick it'll bother me a great deal. So it's like, okay, how do I deal with hanging out with this guy in person when that shit will bother the hell out of me? And no matter what he says to me of, oh, I think I'll be cool with all that. I'm like, I think if I found some guy that I wanted to be exclusive to and I was mushy gushy with somebody, I'm sure he'd probably feel also like, well, you've been replaced and maybe you didn't really matter so much. And that's how I think I would feel. And I was actually talking to someone today that ironically I met through this roommate match website who was like, oh, you're just so funny and your responses to this questionnaire and decided he wanted to have a friendship with me. So I was telling him some circumstances of things going on in my life and so forth. And he responded about this whole situation. And he asked me about how would you melt one's cynicism? Because he's apparently new here. He hasn't really dated much in New York. So he wanted to get some advice. And I'm like, okay, I'm happy to give you this advice. And I said, basically, I think you'd be able to melt my cynicism if you didn't, if you made me feel like that I'm not an army of one. Because that's really how I guess you could sum up cynicism is generally when somebody has that, they feel like they're an army of one. They're the only person who cares about themselves. They're the only person who's going to be their defender, their cheerleader, somebody who's going to have their back. It's only you. And that's it. That's how cynic feels. They feel other people are not really there for their best interests. They're not really going to have the same passion, the same concern. It's just not going to happen. They may have friends, family, loved ones. It might be like, okay, they'll be a little bit concerned about stuff. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm still an army of one. I'm the one who's advocating. I'm the one who's doing that stuff. So as far as a cynic is concerned, it's like, okay, so I don't think that such a person exists to make me feel like that I'm not an army of one. They've sort of lived a life where they have never had that experience of seeing that, no, other people back you as well and not just your friends, not just your family. There's actually people in the romance world who aren't fucking you over and lying to you and ghosting you and they actually are treating you with respect. They're not insulting your intelligence by lying to you, being massive hypocrites. 
So that's what I felt like the, that's what I felt like was a really good analogy. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of how I feel, to be honest, of melting my cynicism away. Of doing something even when it's hard to do it or where it would be easier for you to keep quiet, but you still speak anyway. To me, that's something that people, you should be commended for that. That's worthy of respect. So it's like, yeah, don't make me feel like an army of one. And he had asked me, what were the ways that you showed this guy that you loved him in this relationship? And I'm like, I think the biggest sign of all is me deciding, is me sort of coming to a realization about how I approach a lot of things in life. And I think one of those things was, okay, I've seen the concept of family of it's too much trouble. You know, it's too much trouble to deal with. It's a lot of hassle and family sucks. So you're better off picking a guy who's an orphan or who has disowned his entire family. Which obviously in being involved with this guy, that would not be something that would be contrary. You know, that would not be something to be compatible with having a future with this guy. So I actually was looking into therapy and I actually might still get to see a therapist on this anyway. It's been a long ass battle. I've still been in communications with people. I think I spoke to the therapist who had to do the intake like a week ago. They finally set this up. I've been doing this since last year. And I've been like, okay, I want to know what the heck's going on because I've been doing this since the fall and wanted to get this done, but still not happened. But I think when somebody comes to that realization after they've lived this life and thought, you know what, I don't really have a problem here and why should I have to change that? If they come to their own realization and say, hey, I want to change something and I think this is important to change and there's a compelling reason to do it. I think that's something that a person should notice. They should pay attention to that. Because nobody else that I ever dated, like even my ex-husband did not inspire that. It wasn't like, okay, I'm dating my ex who basically sort of accepted that he wasn't going to have close relations with his family. He was like, you know what? I'm not worried about these people. Screw a lot of them. There's so much backbiting, backstabbing, all this craziness. He's just like, okay, I'm not going to deal with it. So I never thought, oh, I'm going to go and deal with this and try to get therapy and kind of process my screwed up view of that sort of thing so there was that and i also was like you know i was willing to run headlong into these hostile situations where i figured that immediately no matter what i did no matter how i acted i was pretty much going to be hated just for existing i was going to go and confront that head on and a lot of women wouldn't do that there's women who would just immediately run away from that in fact people told me i should run away from that a lot of loved ones of mine said this and I'm like, yeah, part of me also wanted to run away from that. But a part of me felt like, okay, if I went to a therapist and discussed this and kind of figured this out and processed it, maybe, just maybe, I might be prepared to let go be a whole part of this guy's life instead of being segregated somewhere, you know? So that was something I was willing to look at. That was something I was willing to do. I felt like that was worth it. And I think that matters if somebody's going to do that. So if pay freaking attention... If somebody who has spent their life a certain way and they've had particular experiences say, you know what, I want to change something about myself or, you know what, something that I didn't think was a problem for decades, I feel like, hmm, this I want to explore. This perhaps I'm going to fix. This I want to look at and see if my perspective is right. Maybe you should take that seriously. Maybe you should be flattered by that. Maybe you should take that as a sign, huh? Just saying. But I've still been upset, depressed, I've been like, it is definitely, this is like so many signs of it's time to move on. And I'm like, I still am like, what the F with this guy? I have no idea. It's like, it does feel like he's Winnie Cooper or something. 
And honestly, I kind of felt like The Wonder Years as told from Winnie Cooper's perspective would be a great series. I wouldn't have done like the one with the black family experience. I mean, maybe there's a, if they followed it with a black girl in the family and she was like Winnie Cooper, that would be interesting of what about if her brother passed away in Vietnam and she had the stuff that Winnie Cooper dealt with, that would have been cool. But I'm also not big on remakes and stuff like that. I kind of feel like you should have your own show. You should create your own identity. You should have new things. So just my two cents there. But yeah, this will be maybe yeah, the last episode for a bit. So hopefully you'll be listening to other episodes. You'll be thinking about that. And yeah, hope others do well. And I'll probably do another episode maybe September. So we'll see where we're at then.